So it is so nice to catch up with old friends. And I have someone on the show today that I met through the show I did on NPR called It's Your Health. And he's just such an inspirational man. And I'm excited to have him on today. We're going to talk about what he's doing now, what catapulted him to doing this, what influenced him. And he's going to inspire all of you. His name is Todd Patkin. Todd Patkin grew up in Needham, Massachusetts. After graduating from Tufts University, he joined the family business and spent the next 18 years helping to grow it to new heights. After it was purchased by Advanced Auto Parts in 2005, he was free to focus on his main passions, philanthropy, and giving back to the community, spending time with family and friends, and helping more people learn how to be happy. Todd, welcome to the show. Excited to talk with you again. Lisa, it's so great to be back. It's amazing. It's been about nine years, but feels like yesterday. And you really live what you preach, which we'll get into shortly, because you look amazing. Like Thank a you. day has not gone by. Thank you so much. So tell us about your journey in 2011 and where it's brought you now and the great work that you're currently doing. Sure. So as I told you, you know, a while back, uh, growing up in Needham, I was a pretty self-conscious kid, pretty insecure. I was bullied a lot. And I always felt like I needed to get straight A's and be perfect. And that can really wear you out. I also struggled a lot with homesickness. I went away to an overnight camp and didn't last more than three days. And all of this traveled with me to Tufts University. And in Boston, what we say is if you can't get into Harvard, you go to Tufts. And <laughs> let me tell you, Tufts is still tough. <laughs> and so it, back in, uh, it would have been uh, back in uh 1984 is when I started at Tufts and I had terrible homesickness. And in those days, no one talked about it. So if you were a man who was 18 and you were a mama's boy and you couldn't sleep away from your mom, uh, you know, you were, you were really devastated. It was a real embarrassing thing. And I felt like I needed to get straight A's, Lisa. And at Tufts, that was really difficult. And so I had tremendous, tremendous anxiety all throughout college and I say to people, the thing that I'm the proudest of in my life, and if you read my book, Finding Happiness, I've done some really amazing things, but I'm probably the proudest of graduating college. And it's not because I'm dumb. It's because for me to stick to it every day, getting up out of my house in Needham and driving early in the morning to Somerville because I couldn't stay overnight uh, you know, in, in school and trying to get those straight A's, it was really challenging for me. I'm guessing back then, Todd, there was really there was no one you could talk about it with, right? Or, or could you say to your mom or your dad or a, or a sibling or a friend? My mom and dad knew because I was sleeping at home, and they were very supportive. Um, it's funny the story I can tell you in high school. I always say my drug of choice was the guiding light, because what would happen is I'd go to high school and I'd get picked on and bullied, and be nervous about grades. And every day I could come home and watch the guiding light with my mother. She'd make me a grilled cheese sandwich. And that would be my one hour of the day that I could be totally relaxed. You know, what's so funny is mine was all my children. I okay. didn't get picked on per se, but I, well, I did in elementary, but not in high school. I did not like high school. And my mom would videotape all my children for me. And I would just come home and watch it and escape into a whole new world in Pine Valley. And it was, a, it was really nice. Yeah. Absolutely. When you're feeling that kind of anxiety, it's so good. And then I graduated and I had the most wonderful experience going into the family business. 
My dad miraculously almost on day one gave me the keys to the whole company. And I was just born to do it. I was just really good at opening new automobile auto parts stores and hiring young, aggressive men and women and motivating them. And we did great. But when I was 36, I fell into a, a deep, dark breakdown. Uh, what happened is I was pushing so hard because I wanted to be perfect, like with those grades. And everyone said, Todd, you can't work 70 hours a week, week after week, and be under this kind of strain. And I uh, broke my foot. My drug of choice at the time for dealing with all the stress and anxiety, Lisa, was exercise. Hmm. And so when I broke my foot, uh, and then three or four weeks later, we lost a pregnancy, which was devastating to me. And I couldn't go to the gym and work through it. So between the broken foot, the lost pregnancy, and having beaten myself up for 36 years to be perfect, I had a very severe breakdown. I was even suicidal for a day where I just wanted to die. Um, and I said to myself, Todd, this is crazy. You've got you know more money than most people, certainly more money than you need. A wonderful, beautiful wife. You have a beautiful, wonderful son. You have friends. I mean, you have the perfect life. And you wanted to kill yourself. Something is wrong. You've got to figure this one out. And so I came up with my 12 Weeks to Happiness. It's a, a program that you do one week after another for 12 weeks. And it really helped me out. And uh, I wrote my book about my life first before the 12 weeks. And the purpose of the book is I really wanted people to realize that we all do dumb stuff. We're all insecure. We're all not perfect. And so I feel like what I did in my book is almost like if in, in, in uh, 11th grade, I think I had a class that was uh, a science class where you dissected a frog. And I wanted to lie on the table and let somebody dissect me and see all the silly, stupid things I did that embarrassed myself so, so much that, you know what, you got to look at it and laugh because it happened to all of us, but nobody shares it. So we all feel so insecure about all these things. And the book got tremendous acclaim. I mean, it really won some awards and did great. And at the time I was working on the 12 Weeks to Happiness program, which I just mentioned, which taught me how to live a happier life. I put it on CD in my own voice and I put it in a workbook um, and I started touring the country and doing the 12 week program and a lot of people got a lot of help with it. I kind of got burnt out, you know, again, trying to be perfect um, and it was costing me money. I wasn't making money. I was actually paying money to get audiences and it's not that easy. People might think it's easy to get people no, to come, it's but it's really not. really difficult. Yeah. And so I got burnt out and I was doing some really cool philanthropic projects that I got excited about. So I kind of got pulled in that direction. So I haven't been doing much with happiness for about six or seven years. And then I got really bored and kind of unhappy myself. So even me, who was rated number one most happiness person for Reader's Digest in 2013, even I got off track and about maybe 10 weeks ago, said, what the heck am I doing? I've got nothing going on now. I'm bored and, and kind of unhappy. Yeah. Boredom will do it, right, Todd? I mean, I think, oh my God, I hate being bored. I mean, my mom used to say when I was a kid, like, there's no reason to be bored. You always find something to do. But I think when you're an adult and maybe you, you lose your job or something, and you're just like, I've got too much time on my hands. And it's just, eating away at me. It's like that stick song, which I heard the other day. So that's why it popped in my head. Uh, that's a nice song. Yeah, no, I really kind of 
did it myself. I didn't want to have a lot of stress, but I wound up with too little stress and not enough going on. And then I had a wonderful situation happen to me. I really was struggling. What am I going to do with my life again at 56? Uh, and a lot of young kids who struggle with, their, you know, what am I doing? I'm 24. My life's over. I don't know what I want to do. And I say to them, look, when I was 40, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. When I was 46, now I'm 56. I'm back to not knowing what I want to do. Um, but a friend of mine, unfortunately, his son overdosed and died. Uh, oh, my gosh. About three months ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. And at the time, he knew that I was really interested in mental health. And he introduced me to his cousin, Donna Friedman, who's uh, in charge of mental health at the largest health clinic in New York City. And my wife and I went to New York for something else, and we met for breakfast, and I gave her my books. And she called me a week ago, and she said, Todd, you have got to get back to this. People with COVID right now are freaking out. Things have never been worse. You're needed so much more than you were in 2013. This 12-week program, you got to dust it off, bring it back, and start doing it. And so what I decided to do, because I like video, is I decided to put it on YouTube so that anyone who wants to do the 12-week program with me, and of course it's free, it's not about money, it's 100% free, can go to YouTube.com and simply put in Finding Happiness with Todd. You always want to start with week one because I now have seven weeks up. And you don't want to whip through seven weeks in a day. You really want to do week one and take a week. And then week two and take a week. You really want this to be a 12-week program. And I've loved it. It's really gotten me busy again in front of the camera and having it be good and having to do a good job and retape and re-edit and all sorts of stuff. And it's all how you look at it. You know, so far it's only been family and friends. And when I first did it, I called everyone I knew and said, you have to watch it. So I have 450 in my first show. And seven weeks later, I only have 40 people that are sticking with it. But as my wife said, 40 is 40. 40 exactly. people are sticking with it every single week and are really enjoying it. Um, and so I'm loving it. And so then I said, boy, I got to get, you know, how do I get more people to learn about this? And how can I help them? And I said, let me get in touch with some of my old friends Lisa Davis, uh, first off, which is you, and uh, get out and market it and let people know that it's a great program. Each week we go over things that are really simple, but really hard. For example, week one, which I say is the most important one, is self-talk. So most of us are much meaner to ourselves than we ever would be to our best friend. Absolutely. So we say, I'm so stupid, I'm so fat, I'm so dumb, i got to be the world's worst parent. Um, and we say this to ourselves over and over again, and it really beats ourselves down into the ground. Yeah. So the goal is to gradually, when you do that, to catch it right. and bring it from negative to positive. But to do that is brutally hard because if you're 40 years old, for 40 years you've trained yourself to beat yourself up. It's like a record player. You play it over and over again. Now we need to scratch that record player, get rid of the grooves, and actually go the exact opposite way. So instead of you beating yourself up, you're telling yourself, you know what? Yeah, that might have been kind of not the smartest thing to do, but usually I'm a smart person. Usually I do good things. It's not the biggest deal. Yeah, that's true. And it, it does make such a difference. And I like the idea that you want people to spend a week on each thing versus an, okay, I did that. 
I spent, you know, five minutes saying nice things to myself. It doesn't work that way. Right. right? You got to put that time and energy into it. Okay. So before we move on to step two, I want to talk a little bit about step three, which is being easier on yourself, self-talk. What are some suggestions? Because again, people have been doing that for so many years. And unfortunately, it just comes so easily to so many of us. Well, what I say when it comes to self-talk, and there's nothing easy, easy about it, but the first thing to do is just to notice it. So it's like if you're trying to quit cigarettes, I believe the first thing you want to do is just notice when your hand starts coming towards your mouth, okay? And maybe you won't be able to stop it at that point, but you'll at least notice it. So the first thing I want people to do is notice how often they're being mean to themselves, The next thing I want them to do is to try to bring it to neutral because it's going to be very hard to bring it to positive. So you simply bring it to neutral. Lisa's saying to herself, I can't believe that that I said that to my mother last week. I'm a lousy daughter. I just want her to bring it to, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that to my mom last week, but I'm a really good daughter most of the time. Kind of a neutral thing and then eventually we try to change it to the to the more positive for people and for people who say you know i don't really do that i i treat myself good i always have an interesting little exercise and i tell people to close their eyes and pretend that they are coming to their best friend's house their best friend is in the living room and the best friend is crying And you walk up to your best friend and say to your best friend, why are you crying? And they say, I'm crying because last night I went to my parents' house for dinner. Everything was going great. Had some great conversations with my cousins. But during dinner, I said something and boy, did it upset my brother. And my brother's not talking to me. And I'm the world's worst sister in the world. And everything is a mess. If you're the friend of this person, most likely you're going to tell them, look, look at the positive side. You had some great conversations last night at dinner. It's true you upset your brother, but that's happened before, and you always get back together with him. I'm sure you will. He's your brother after all. Let's go out and grab a beer. Let's go out and grab some ice cream. That's how you treat your friend. Now, close your eyes again and pretend that it's you who are in the living room crying and feeling really guilty about the dinner you had last night where you said something that really upset your brother and you're feeling horrible about it. Now you come into the room and you're talking to yourself. What would you say? And most likely if it's you talking to yourself, you're going to say, what an idiot you are. How could you have done that to your brother? Your brother's the nicest guy in the world. All he does is nice things for you. You did it 10 years ago. You did it five years ago. You did it again. You have got to be the world's worst sister. Of course, he's not going to forgive you. And you just beat yourself down. So it, it's just kind of showing you the, the, the way that you treat other people so well. You care so much for them. And then how poorly you treat yourself. Yeah, it's so true. All right, step two is exercise. Todd, what what do you like to do for exercise? Well, I go to the gym and I, you know, work with the weights and try to do a little running. The older I get, it's more walking than running. But it's just getting into a different environment and pushing the, the bench press and the 
shoulder press and trying to make a change. But Donna, who's the woman in New York that I mentioned to you before, she said, Todd, don't bring up exercise. It's too intimidating. Just bring up movement. You know, a lot of people, they don't get off the couch. So for them to think about exercise at the gym, it will never happen. We just want them to do something. Maybe it's just getting up. Someone's, and I said dancing, and someone said, well, I don't know how to dance. What do I do? I said, well, think of a hula hoop without the hula hoop. Just wiggle. Just do something that gets your body moving. So that's all we want, 10 minutes a day of getting up, maybe dancing, maybe walking around the house, something that, that, that gets the uh, oxygen flowing. Yeah. And then the next one is take charge of your mind. That's difficult to do as well, but very important. What are some suggestions for that, Todd? That's just basically uh, listening to motivational tapes and reading motivational books. I just want you to get positive thoughts, positive ideas going in your mind. All right. uh, The next step is play to your strengths. Okay. With playing to your strengths, what I like to say to people, and there's a wonderful quote by Oliver Wendell Holmes, and he said, the greatest waste in the world is not the waste of natural resources. The greatest waste is the tragic waste of human resources because most of us go to our grave with our music still in us. Basically, most of, all of us were born with certain inherent traits that we're meant to do, in my opinion. You're meant to do the radio stuff. I'm meant to do other stuff. We're not the same. So what I have people ask themselves is two questions. What are the things that you love to do the most? And you write those down one through five. And what are the things you think you're best at, better at than most people, one through five? And then you circle anything that's on both lists. So, Lisa, if you wrote down on the lists, on the the top one, you know, love to communicate with people as something you love to do. And on the second list, what do you think you're better at than most people? Love my radio show. Well, you'd circle both of those and you'd say, bingo, I should be doing that. So we try to get into that zone where both lists said the same thing. How do you get into that zone? How do you spend more of your time doing the things that you are meant to do, those things you love to do and that you're best at? Yeah, it makes such a difference in your life when you are, you know, you play to your strengths. I think it's really important too for our kids to I don't like when when parents try to push them into certain professions. They need to go with what their heart says. But I think also having some practicality and finding things that that fit their strengths that they can do as a career. Right. I think that's really important as well. Now, this one is really, really difficult. Eliminate stressors or is it, I would think it was more like reduce. Or do you believe you can eliminate or modify your reaction? (laughs) All right. Well, let's take some examples. Let's say that you hate to pay your bills. You just don't like paying the checks on every month. And you want to eliminate it. So the way you could possibly eliminate it is to speak to your husband and say, Dear, look, I know when we got married, we had an agreement. I would pay the checks. You would clean the house. And I know that's what we've done for 19 years. I am so tired of paying the checks would you ever consider for the next two months swapping? You'll pay the checks and I will clean the house. So that's a way that you could eliminate it completely. I see. Okay. One way you could do it less often is if you're a little neurotic and you pay the checks when they come in. 
So you get eight checks a month and you pay them eight times because you pay them that month, uh, that night. One way you could find that uh, thing that's bothering you and do it less often is like most people just pay them once a month. Keep them on the side of your desk until they have to be paid. I used to have a show called Beauty Inside Out that I hosted with David Pollock. It was all about looking at what you're putting in your body and what you're putting on your skin. So I recently discovered a fantastic company, Osmosis Beauty, and I am thrilled to have them as a sponsor for Health Power. Now, what makes Osmosis Beauty so special is they have this unique philosophy. It's based on analyzing your skin and body as a whole, treating skin conditions at the source to restore beauty and wellness. Dr. Ben Johnson is incredible. Now, he developed Osmosis Beauty over 12 years ago with the goal of changing the direction of skincare away from excessive exfoliation and renewing the focus on dermal remodeling, barrier and DNA repair, and detoxification. The line includes non-toxic skincare products and treatments that combine the purity of naturally sourced ingredients with revolutionary doctor-developed and scientifically validated formulas that deliver on the brand's promise of permanent change. What I love is they offer skincare, but they also offer internal supplements as well as makeup. So I use Osmosis Beauty. I've seen a change in my skin. I absolutely love it. So to learn more, go to osmosisbeauty.com and follow the brand on Instagram at osmosis underscore beauty. Yeah, I also like that you wrote, uh, if you can't eliminate or change a stressor, such as a job you hate but can't afford to quit, change yourself, cha- excuse me, challenge yourself to handle it differently. I remember once I had the worst boss ever. I have to tell you the story. It's funny. So I worked in this company and most of the company did one thing. And then there was a small little department with just my boss, me and one other person. And I remember I got hired. They're like, oh, which department are you in? I'm like, oh, I work for so-and-so. Everyone literally touched my arm. They're like, I'm so sorry. Like it was so bad. But I tried when I wasn't there to enjoy my life as much as I could. I had a very wild experience when I was running the stores at my family business. And I was having a lot of success, Lisa, but I was really feeling a lot of stress. My dad came to me one day and he said, Todd, even though we're making more money, even though you love it, I might have to take the position away from you because the amount of stress you're under, it's not healthy. And I went home and I said, what can I do differently? I don't want to lose the position. And I knew what he was referring to. He was referring to a few things that happened And when they happened, I didn't handle them well. Let's say that there was a burglary alarm in downtown Boston at night, and I would have to get out of bed and drive to Dorchester or Roxbury, which were really tough areas back in the 80s. And I'd have to sit and wait for the people with the glass to put the glass in and the cops to come. And it was really scary. And I would throw a tantrum and I'd be so upset and so angry every time that happened. And there were a few other things. If uh, a manager stole from me, I'd find it really, really upsetting. And I went back and I sat at the table and Tony Robbins is a guy who helped me with a lot of things, great motivator, uh, teacher, and he teaches you to think about things differently. And I said, you know what? Instead of every time this happens, me throwing a tantrum and acting like I shouldn't have to deal with it, from now on, I'm going to say my dad pays me a good living. And for that amount of money, in addition to everything else I do, I'm responsible three times a year 
to deal with a burglary alarm in the middle of the night that I'm going to have to go to some uh, to Dorchester or Roxbury and deal with it. I'm going to have three times a year when someone's going to steal from me and I'm going to have to fire them and figure out how to run the store without them. If it ever happens more than three times, I give myself permission to stomp and yell and scream and act like a child. And it never happened again. So now I handle these things every time they happened because it was less than three times a year incredibly professionally because I said it's part of my job and I expected it. Whereas prior to sitting at that kitchen table that night, I was handling them like a child. So it really was a miraculous looking at it from a different angle. Yeah, that's huge. All right. Another one that's huge is another step is live in the present. Yeah, well, most of us spend a lot of our time each day thinking about the past. You had a really bad fight with your sister and it happened seven years ago but it's still really bothering you. And you think about it once a day. Um, so, or, or, you know, you wish that you had gone to college. A lot of people tell me that's one of their big things. They didn't go to college and that's why their life is ruined. So these things come back to you every day from the past and they're robbing you because you're playing with your kids basketball. You're playing checkers with your kids, but you're thinking you're not there. You're thinking about something from the past. Right. I love this. Uh, spend more time with positive people. And you write, have you ever heard of social proof? Tell us about what social proof is. You'll be the average of the five people you spend the most time with in terms of your happiness level and your positivity level. So what you need to do is take out a piece of paper and write down the five people that you spend the most time with, whether it's face-to-face, -face, by text, or by phone, and you need to put a number next to each of them. One is they're totally toxic. They are brutal. They ruin you every time you talk to them. Five is they're the most wonderful people in the world. You can be having the worst day of your life. They pick you up. Three is they're neutral. And then you look at those numbers and you add them together. So if you have all fives, which would be amazing, it's 25. And if you have all ones, which would be a disaster, it's five. And you divide by five. So now you have your average number for the five people. And if it's four or five, you're doing fine. But if it's one or two, you need to make some changes with your friends or family because you're getting all of this negativity. You won't be as successful with my program if all day long you're getting you know, people who are whining and griping and everything's bad and everything's brutal. So you need to make some changes. And the way you do that is you let these people know if it's friends that you'd like them to consider taking a program like you are. You're trying to live a happier life. You're doing it because you know that your kids will be like you. So if you live a happier life, they'll, they'll be happier as well. And um, if they don't want to take the program, you let them know you really need them to change because you're trying to live happier and they're just pulling you down. And if they can't change, then you just gradually spend less time with them. Yeah, those are really hard but necessary conversations. I had to laugh when I read Be Friendlier. Only laugh because, like, I'm so friendly. It would be <laughs> I was reading this to my husband. He's like, please, don't be any friendlier. Like, I'm constantly going up to strangers. Oh, my God, you have such pretty eyes. Where'd you get your shoes? Oh, da, da, da. But it's just who I am. So, apparently, I'm a lamplighter, and I will brag happily. So, tell us about a lamplighter, Todd. Well, that's great. I mean, most of us go through life, and we have, you know, heavy heaviness in our life you know you don't know maybe someone does have cancer or someone's son has cancer 
And if you can lighten up their day a little bit by just being friendly, it makes a huge difference. You know, there was a, an article I read about a guy who tried to kill himself. He jumped off a bridge and miraculously he survived. And they said, why did you jump off the bridge? And he said, well, to be honest with you, obviously I'm really depressed. And I was on the bus and I said, I'm going to walk up to the bus driver and I'm going to just look at him and say nothing. And if he's nice to me, I'm not going to jump. And if he's mean to me, I'm going to jump. And he said, I said nothing. And he said, kid, get off the fucking bus. Uh, you know, because he was just standing there looking at him. Uh, and he killed himself. So it's, you oh know, if you can God. just be friendly to people, it doesn't cost any more to be friendly to people. Yeah, one of the things that I learned from my dad, and I know some people would think it was corny, but whenever we'd go out to dinner and the wait waiter you know, our waitress had their tag on, he would always say, say, Linda, how's your day going? Or thank you so much, Linda. Like Huge. he'd use their name. And I do that all the time. And I even do it on like, we were calling my discover card because somebody stole my discover card and, you know, it's a frustrating situation, but you know, the woman's like, blah, blah, blah. My name is Cynthia. How can I help you? I was like, oh, hi, Cynthia. And I immediately, she was like, oh, hi. Like, what? Like nobody ever uses my, and with, throughout the phone call, I'd be like, oh, Cynthia, that's okay. That's very helpful. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I mean, I didn't over Cynthia it, but enough where I could just hear a, a lift in her voice. People love, love to hear their own name. Yeah. And you get better service as well. <laughs> and it just makes you, it just makes the whole interaction better. I think this is key as well. Strengthen close relationships. Um, what are some ways to strengthen close relationships with people who are who are there and are? It's so important because you'll be you'll, the quality of your life to a large degree will be the quality of the relationships you have with the people you're closest to. And so, I always encourage people to first take start with friends, and in terms of friends, call them up and just let them know how much they mean to you. You know, you know, ask yourself if they died tomorrow, would you regret not having made that extra phone call? just to say, you know, how much they mean to you. And again, it's, you know, if, if you got in a fight three years ago, is it time to call up and say, you know what, let's patch it up or not? The three most important relationships are start with uh, mom and dad. And we need to realize how lucky we are if we still have them. I have a lot of friends who say, Todd, if I could have just one day more, what would I, I would give so much to be with my mother you know, she died six years ago. So if you're lucky like me to have your parents, try to spend time with them. Tell them how much you love them, how much you appreciate them. Um, again, they're going to die. They're, you know, my parents are in their 80s. So you, want, you don't want to leave anything left unsaid. Try to be with them as much as you can. So when they do move on, you're not saying, why didn't I spend more time with them? You're lucky because my mom died when I was in my 20s. Uh, it, it's been a long time. I am close with my dad, but it's it's been rough. I mean, she missed everything. My my family, my husband, my daughter, my career, my dogs, <laughs> all the work, the book, the shows. Like she not none of it. I was just still kind of flopping around when she was still alive and not kind of trying to after college trying to figure things out and that was that. So, it's really hard. Mm. Yeah, so I'm glad you still have your parents. Yeah, I'm very very fortunate. The other thing is, is kids, and it gets back to what I was talking about with living in the present, because, you know, one of the big fallacies, I think, with kids is we talk about quality time, 
And that lets off workaholics. This is great. I can work all the time and I'll just give my kids two good hours a week. But boy, will those be good hours. And that's what the doctor says is all I need to do. It's called quality time. It's quantity of time with kids. It's quantity of time. You need to just be sitting there watching TV with the kids when the dog comes over and eats the kids ice cream and it falls all over. And that's what you remember eight years from now when you're talking at the beach about when the dog ate the ice cream. But if you're at the office, you're not part of the kid's life. So forget about quality time with kids. It's quantity of time. You need to be with kids. And you with the, and you, when you're with them, don't be thinking about the past. You know, don't be dwelling in the future. Really be with them and let them know how much you love them. And then the biggest tragedy in uh, many people's lives is the way that they take for granted their marriages. That's why marriages break down. Everyone in life needs to feel special. And so when we first courted our husband or wife, we made them feel special like every hour. Did you call me? No, I called you. Oh, my God, you're the greatest. And then, you know, 30 years later, when's the last time you told her she was special? When's the last time you told him you loved him? When's the last time you bought her or him flowers for no good reason at all just because you love him? And if you don't do that, they're going to look elsewhere, not necessarily with a with a uh you know, by cheating, but they're going to look elsewhere to feel special. So they're going to start doing hobbies that have nothing to do with you, spending time with people that have nothing to do with you. And all of a sudden, the marriage is breaking apart. Okay, so the first eight that we've talked about are all up on YouTube. You type in Finding Happiness with Todd. Perfect. You go to YouTube, Lisa, and simply type in Finding Happiness with Todd. Okay, great. And then ones that are coming up are help others, deepen your relationship with your higher power, and develop an attitude of gratitude. Todd, this is great. Do you, I'm guessing you're feeling better being out there doing this again? It's been amazing for me. I love it. My challenge, though, is just to, to get it out there. You know, how do you market it? How do you get more people to hear about it? So, you know, any suggestions, please let me know. I hope your audience will mention it to family and friends who they feel are See, the pro- when, I, when I say family and friends who are going through a rough time, the truth is you never know who's going through a rough time. They did a study on um, people who committed suicide, and more than 75% of their family and friends had no idea they were going through a tough time at all. So, you, you know, try to recommend this to everybody because it can help everybody. Yeah, exactly. And also your book is great, Finding Happiness, One Man's Quest to Beat Depression and Anxiety and Finally Let the Sun Shine In. Now, Todd, should they also go to your website, toddpatkin.com, or just go to Finding Happiness with Todd on YouTube? Um, If you want to go to toddpatkin.com, you can see my TED Talk. You can see uh, some of my television interviews from the past, a really cool bullying uh, show I did with 6,000 kids at the Sangus Arena. Um, and so you could certainly, certainly go to my website if you want to see more about me. But if you specifically want to see this 12-week program, which is what I'm really trying to market these days, and when I say market, I'm not looking for money. I'm just trying to help people. That would be YouTube and Finding Happiness with Todd. All right, Todd. Well, thank you so much for coming on Naturally Savvy. It's been so great to catch up and hear all of the great things you're doing. Congratulations on everything you're doing. Thank you. 
Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.